Hoops Cast episode 10. What is going on, guys? This is your boy Edwin back up in it. And before we get into today's episode, make sure you guys are following me on all social media platforms Twitter, Instagram, you name it, I got it. NBA1Hoops on Twitter, NBA1.Hoops on Instagram. Now, without further ado, let's just go ahead and get into it. The first thing we're going to be talking about is the man Paul Pierce. You might know him as The Truth. He works for ESPN now, former NBA player. I mean, come on, you, everyone knows who Paul Pierce is. Uh, he recently came out and said that LeBron is not a top five player of all time. He's not even top five. Now, let's just go ahead and get this straight out, straight out the bat. LeBron is clearly a top five player of all time. Some people have him as the GOAT. Not me personally, you know, Jordan's the GOAT. But to have him outside your top five is very disrespectful to say the least. The body of work that he's done, you know, the accolades, the three championships, the, you know, the 2016 came back down 3-1, you know, the MVPs, you know, just all the things that LeBron has been able to accomplish. I personally, you know, and again, people can disagree if they would like. I personally don't see how you have LeBron outside of your top five. And the reasoning that Paul Pierce gave for not having LeBron in his top five is simply because he never built up a franchise. He didn't. He didn't start a friend, like, pretty much he didn't build up any franchise. That's, I don't even really know what to say to that. I'm dumbfounded by that response. I'm not even sure what he really means by that. And then his top five, you know, it was MJ, uh, he had Kobe, he had Bill Russell, I believe he had Magic. And it's like, okay, LeBron didn't build up a franchise, but you can say that about a lot of all-time great players. You can say that about Kobe. You really could. Because there was numerous championships before Kobe ever got there. The Lakers had won the second most championships of all time. And they had 11 rings before Kobe ever got there. So what are we really talking about now? I mean, we do. it's well documented that Paul Pierce and LeBron don't really have too much love for each other. Uh, we've seen Paul Pierce take dips and, da- and jabs at LeBron over the years. Uh, it's been reported, actually, that back in 2004, Paul Pierce actually spit at LeBron. Uh, I believe it was in the locker room or at halftime, something of that nature. So, clearly, there's, there's a lot of bad blood between them. I've never even heard or seen LeBron praise Paul Pierce at all. So, obviously, there's no love lost. Paul Pierce is just being, I, I don't even know how to describe it, but he's being very disingenuous. Uh, he, I mean, maybe not. Maybe he really does feel like LeBron is in top five. But it comes across as very hateful. It comes across as very jealous. Like, I mean, not jealous, but it comes across as just not very... Not very reasonable, to say the least. I mean, maybe he's salty because of 2012, you know, how LeBron came back and just pretty much had that legendary performance. I believe it was game six or seven against the Boston Celtics when he was in Miami. So I just, I'm not too sure what's going on with that. I'm not too sure what's going on with that. Um, that's pretty much what I have on the matter as far as, you know, Paul Pierce saying that LeBron is in top five. LeBron is top five. It's very clear he's top five. Now, the next thing I want to talk about with you guys is the playoff seeding and the way that the playoffs has been set up. Now, if you have watched any type of basketball in the last, I don't know, 70 years, you would know that the way the playoffs is set up, you have the Western Conference teams and you have the Eastern Conference teams. And you battle it out in your conference and, you know, do three rounds and you get to the finals. So, for example, if you're in the East, let's say you're the Celtics, you got to beat the first round, you know, an Eastern team. Second round, an Eastern team. Third round, which is the conference finals, an Eastern team. Then you get to the finals where you face the Western team, 
that did the same thing you did, but, you know, just in the Western Conference. And, you know, you had the way it's set up. You had the first seed playing the eighth seed. You had the second seed playing the seventh. The third facing off against the sixth. And then you had the fourth facing off against the fifth. And the way it's set up, you know, ideally, is so that the first seed of each conference faces off against the second seed of the same conference in the conference finals in the third round. That's the way, you know, it should work out ideally. But obviously, you know, there's things like injuries, upsets, um, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. But that's not what I want to get with. That's not what I'm getting at. What I want to get at is the fact that that system is just simply outdated. And we should, the league should honestly consider changing the playoff format into a one versus, a one through 16 format, regardless of conference. Eliminate conference in the playoffs. That way we can actually see the two best teams play off against each other in the NBA Finals. Now, what did we have in 2018? 2018 is a prime example of the point I'm trying to make. In 2018, we had the Warriors face off against the Cavaliers, which is a complete total mismatch. And the Cavaliers just had simply no chance. The Cavs were not the second best team in the NBA. The second best team in the NBA in 2018 was most likely the James Harden-led Houston Rockets. And the Warriors beat that team in the conference finals. But had it been a 1-16 through playoff seeding, we could have had the Warriors face the Rockets in the finals, which would have been a much better you know, NBA finals matchup. Uh, and there's tons of examples through that through history. You know, we could have had maybe in 2014, we could have had the Spurs versus the Thunder. Uh, we could have had the Warriors versus the Thunder. We could have had the Lakers versus the Spurs. Just t- I can go down the list of times where we could have truly had the true best team versus best team instead of just the best team in the West versus the best team in the East. Um, but apparently we don't have that. We can't have that because of the way the play, the way the playoffs is set up, the format. And like I said before, they should honestly consider changing that type of format, have it one through 16. So that way we truly get the best, you know, of each team, the, the two best teams in the NBA finals. That's what we want to see, you know, it'll drive ratings up. And another underrated part about it is that you would eliminate travel. Um, players don't want to travel like that. So let's say you have an NBA Finals matchup of the Warriors versus the Lakers. That would be very ideal. You know, they don't have to, players don't have to take long plane rides, you know, different parts of the country, you know, going back and forth between two cities. You know, the the San Francisco or where is it? Oakland, wherever, <laughs> whatever city they're in is not too far from Los Angeles. So travel time would be essentially eliminated. Now, imagine if we had a Lakers versus Clippers Finals. They can literally just sit... You know, they can just stay home and drive to the damn NBA Finals. Yo, I'm going to work today. What? Oh, oh, yeah, I'm working in the Finals. <laughs> you can literally go home right after the Finals, you know what I mean? So um, having a 1-16 through 16 playoff format would be much better, you know, easier on the players. It would it'd just be much more ideal. I'm not too sure why we're still doing, you know, East versus West, but something definitely should change, and the league definitely needs to look into that. Now, next up, what I want to talk about is James Harden. And before I even say anything about him, I want to make a quick disclaimer. Um, I used to be an avid James Harden hater. I'm going to admit it. I used to swear I wasn't, but you know what? Looking back, I probably was. Uh, I didn't like the play style. I was super critical of pretty much everything about him. I was one of those people who bagged on his field goal percentage all the time, which is bad. I'm not going to say it's not. But now, you know, having my eyes opened a little bit, we do have to start appreciating James Harden just a little bit more. I mean, 
he's just he's he's sensational. He's a sensational ball handler. You know, his step back threes on the top of the key. We never really seen any NBA player in history really do that. Um, he clearly has the best step back in NBA history, and we got to really just take a look at him and just acknowledge his true greatness. I mean, he's improved defensively tremendously since you know he got into the league. You know, back in, I want to say, 2016, 2017, you know, 2018, he was pretty much a horrible defender. But, you know, this year he's actually pretty solid. He's one of the best post defenders in the NBA. Uh, he's very good at getting deflections, steals. Now, obviously, he's not, you know, some Kawhi Leonard-type on-ball defender. He's not going to take your best, you know, perimeter score on the other team. He's never going to be that type of player. But he's definitely made an effort to get better defensively. And he just... There's not really much you could ask of him. He's amazing. He hasn't been able to get over the hump, obviously. And he does have moments in the playoffs, you know, where he, you know, has some real questionable performances. But for the most part, he's done what's been asked of him. And he wants to win a championship. He understands that winning a championship is the true goal. He knows that he's never going to get the respect he deserves until he wins the championship. And that's a fact, you know. If you're just a great player who never wins a championship, that hurts your legacy. And rightfully so. You know, you have to get over the hump. The NBA has always been about getting the job done. And that James Harden is no different. He needs to go go how he needs to go ahead and get the job done. And in terms of shooting guards all time, you know, people like to, you know, debate how good is he, you know, where is he in the all time shooting guard list. And now in terms of a greatness standpoint, you know, so how great he is, you know, legacy, accomplishments, accolades, things of that nature, I would say he's maybe around fifth or fourth. Between fourth and sixth. I would say, you know, he's around you know, AI, Clyde Drexler, around that level in terms of, you know, greatness. But in terms of pure skill and pure talent, I would say he's the third best shooting guard ever. I would say only Kobe and Jordan have him beat in terms of, you know, talent, skill, you know, just basketball ability, raw skill. He's probably the third best shooting guard ever. So it's, it is definitely time that we put a little bit more respect on the man, James Harden. Um, look, he's only 30 years old. He has time. Uh, for him, per, for him, I would say he would need to add a little bit more mid-range to his game. I know the Rockets, you know, the, and the Mike D'Antoni system don't truly favor the mid-range. You know, they have that, you know, spacing, shooting a three, getting layups. They have that type of system implemented. But I do think at some point in time, James Harden should definitely, you know, definitely go in the mid-range a little bit more. I'm not, I'm not saying you know you got to be Kawhi in the mid-range, but. You know, at least keep the defense honest and attempt a few. I would say that's a fair critique of James Harden's game. But one critique of James Harden that isn't fair, and I've seen it all over the place, is, oh, he's a system player. He's in the Mike D'Antoni system. His stats, are, his stats are inflated. And I don't know if people know this, but Mike D'Antoni didn't take over coaching for the Houston Rockets until 2016. But prior to that, James Harden was averaging about uh, I believe it was 26, 27 points per game. And in the final season under his coach before Mike D'Antoni, so in the 2014-2015 season under coach McHale, uh, James Harden was averaging 29 points per game. He was putting up numbers. To put that into perspective, James Harden in his MVP season was averaging 30.4. So the only thing that's really changed is his play style. Now, people like to bag on, you know, how many free throws he's attempting, things of that nature. But is that a real fair critique? Is that is that a fair criticism of James Harden? 
I mean, free throws are part of the game. I used to I used to critique him for that. I used to think, oh, he's just getting free throws. But what's wrong with that? Why is getting free throws a bad thing? You know, haters of James Harden will say anything. Now, I'm not some James Harden fan. I'm not, you know, a stand of him by any means whatsoever. You know, I can still be critical of him. But to critique him for free throws is, is nonsense. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um, he's averaging about, I want to say, 11 free throws per game around there. And to put that into perspective, the year Michael Jordan dropped 37 points per game, he was averaging about 11 free throws attempts per game. So the same as James Harden. But nobody gave Michael Jordan any crap for that because at the end of the day, free throws are part of the game of basketball. So how can you really, you know, knock him for that? Now, yeah, you know, some people don't. Some people think it's manipulating the refs. But if you can manipulate the refs, you would too. If you can get all those free throws every game, you would too. They're the easy. They're called free throws. That's like asking if I would want free money. Like, yeah, I'm gonna take that free money. I, why would I have to work for it? You know what I'm saying? So we do have to tone it down just a little bit, at least. You know, like I said, free throws are part of the game. Why are we killing James Harden for that? And that's pretty much what I have to say about that. Now, up next, and this is something, you know, I, I sort of touched up upon on the YouTube channel. So if you're not following me on YouTube, shameless plug, NBA One Hoops, make sure you go ahead and subscribe to the channel. Enable your bell notifications, too. But one thing I, I posted was I posted a video about Will Chamberlain and why he would absolutely dominate and annihilate in today's NBA. And I kind of just wanted to bring that to the podcast, and I wanted to talk about it here, too, you know, for the people who watch over here and don't really, you know, use YouTube too much. But pretty much, this is what it is. If Wilt Chamberlain played today, he'd be, he'd be averaging about 35 and maybe 17 rebounds and about five blocks. He was just simply insane. Now, why am I saying that? Well, for one, he was seven foot one, seven foot two. He was about 300 pounds, right? Sounds a lot like Shaq. People say, oh, who's more dominant, Wilt or Shaq? Wilt was. It's really not even close. He's stronger than Shaq. He's a lot more athletic than Shaq. He's a lot faster. He can jump higher. Uh, he can bench press 500 pounds. He ran track. He played volleyball. And he was just insane. His endurance was insane. Matter of fact, you should know his endurance is insane. His stamina is insane because he had sex with about 20,000 women. So that alone should just tell you how about this man's stamina and this man's endurance. He once averaged 48 minutes per game in, in a season. That should just speak to the amount of, you know, Stamina and durability this man has. But why would he dominate today? Why am I saying this? Well, for one, he'd be pretty much bigger than anybody. He would still... he His vertical was the highest recorded in NBA history at 48 inches. So he's essentially jumping four feet straight up into the air, which is taller than most kids. So imagine him just literally jumping over your son. Like, that's insane. Uh, his dashing speed... I don't remember exactly what he was clocked in at. I don't even know if they actually had it recorded, but if they did, I do remember it being pretty damn fast. <laughs> so, now obviously that sounds like a very weak point, so you ain't got to really use it, but I know the man can run fast. You can clearly see it and the few highlights that we have of him. Um, and believe it or not, he actually played in an era that sort of made it harder for him. And I want to say that with, you know, quotation marks. The rules didn't allow Wilt Chamberlain to dominate like they allowed Shaq to dominate. And what do I mean by that? When Wilt Chamberlain played in the NBA, you were not allowed to just back down your opponent. You were allowed to post up, but you know you couldn't you know put your back into somebody and back them down and use your strength all the way to the cup. That was just simply against the rules at the time. 
So Will Chamberlain was putting up all these crazy numbers, these crazy statistics, these crazy scoring outages without even being able to back his opponent down. He wasn't allowed to use his true strength. That was just him, you know, hitting hook shots and, you know, fadeaways. He did have a post. He did have a fadeaway. You know, that's that that Hakeem S fadeaway. He did have that in his arsenal and he did use it to his advantage. So that is something that would easily translate into today, into today's game. You know, he could hit that mid-range jumper, you know, that, you know, inside fadeaway. He could do all those things. And he could just simply just jam it on you if he needed to, just like Shaq did. Uh, now another thing that held him back was the fact that there was no defensive three seconds in Wilt Chamberlain's era. So centers were literally allowed to just build up a wall in the middle of the damn paint and try to stop Wilt and still couldn't. Uh, another thing is... You know, obviously, uh, just the defense was just a lot more physical. You were really allowed to, like, you know, really get up on them. And one thing that, you know, not a lot of people know about is back in Wilt Chamberlain's era, you weren't allowed to touch the basketball with your palm. It was called palming. It was a palming violation. A palming violation. So whenever he dribbled the ball, it had to only be with his fingertips. Now, clearly, he didn't dribble too much. He was obviously a center. Centers play underneath the basket. Uh, especially way back then. So, you know, he didn't do a lot of dribbling, but when he did, it had to be only his fingertips. If his palm touched the ball, and straight turnover. Today, if he played today, he wouldn't have to worry about that rule. He could just dribble however he wanted. Today, he would be allowed to use his strength to his advantage. And another fun fact, you know, back in 1986, I believe, uh, I, I believe it was either the Pistons or the Nets. One, a team tried to acquire him at the age of 49 years old. They offered him a contract at the age of 49 to come back and play basketball because he was just that physically fit. He was just that dominant. He could literally have played any other sport. So Will Chamberlain just simply would have dominated in today's NBA. And especially since you know centers nowadays don't tradition don't typically guard the paint like they used to. You know, today, centers shoot a lot of threes, so as a result, centers are pulled away from the basket, you know, to defend the three-point line. You know, you have a lot of stretch fours, stretch fives. So as a result, you know, the lane would be a lot more open and free versus when Wilt Chamberlain had actually played when it was a lot more congested, a lot more compact, a lot less room to operate in. So, you know, if he played today, he would have a lot more room, a lot more ISO. When I say ISO, I mean he would only have to have beaten one defender in the paint, you know what I mean, more often than he did back when he played. So, Will Chamberlain just would have dominated today. There's no way you could convince me otherwise. Um, he's one of those people that just transcends time. He transcends basketball. Um, and that's pretty much what I have to say about that. Now, last but not least, I just want to give some love to the man Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Um, he doesn't really get the love and appreciation that he deserves. Especially, like, just not at all. Uh, especially with this new generation, which I'm a part of. So, you know, I can't, you know, just lump y'all up and disrespect y'all. When I am a part of that generation. But the fact that, you know, when it comes to all-time great players, when you look at somebody like Kobe, when you look at somebody like MJ, Magic, Bird, Allen Iverson, players tend to, you know, see them and say, oh, you know what, I want to replicate their moves. I want to be like them. I want to, you know, have a crossover like AI. I want to shoot threes like Bird. I want to pass like Magic. I want to handle the ball like Kyrie. Uh, I want to shoot like Steph. You know, that's what you hear all the time. But no one ever talks about Kareem. No one ever, you've never been on the playground and heard a little five-year-old say, ooh, Kareem, and he throw a little baby skyhook. You've never, ever seen that. And that's sad, honestly. The most points in NBA history, 
easily the best move in NBA history. You know, the best shot, the most efficient shot. I mean, it's unblockable. And it's like, it's no one's ever wanted to do it. Like, no one even tries. No one even thought about emulating it. Nothing. Like, we've seen it, by, we've seen Kareem do it, and that was pretty much it. Like, I don't really get that. I don't understand why no one really gives Kareem the love he deserves. For me, personally, and, you know, again, if you disagree, that's perfectly fine. I think Kareem is the second best player in NBA history, only behind Michael Jordan. And, I mean, he's easily the most accomplished player ever. And that's not even really a debate. Six championships, six regular season MVPs, the most points ever. I mean, what, I mean, what else could you really want from a player? You know, he won championships in Milwaukee and in L.A., so he won two champ. He won championships in two different locations. He won two back-to-back MVPs in two different locations. I mean, what do you really want from this man? It's absolutely insane, and just no one ever talks about him. Like, it's I. It's so baffling to me. He's one of the, you know a great man. You know, obviously, if you follow him on Twitter, you know he's always posting little videos about things that's going on. Um, he's just a great dude, and he, he had the greatest move in NBA history, and no one is trying to replicate that. I just, I simply don't understand that. I hope maybe one day, you know, we see somebody trying to replicate that move. But I strongly doubt it. Nobody really cares about the fundamentals. Nobody cares about efficiency anymore. It's all about looking cool. You know, it's fine. I mean, you know, the NBA is entertainment. And you do want the fans to be entertained. I want to be entertained. I don't want to see everybody doing it. But I would like to see somebody actually try to perfect that move. That would be something interesting to see. And that's pretty much all I have for you guys today. That was Hoopscast episode 10. Make sure you guys follow me all over the place. I got social media, Twitter, Instagram, NBA One Hoops, Spotify, you name it, I have it. Follow me at NBA One Hoops. That's pretty much all I have for you guys today. Stay safe and have a good one.